Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys Podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Uh, not much. We was just lamenting that uh, if Taco is going to be released, that he didn't get released on Tuesday so that we could all talk about Taco Tuesday. It's, it's really sad. It, I know. The, the Cowboys PR people and social media people need to do better. They, they need I, to talk to the coaches. They, they just need to sit them down and say, look. <laughs> We gotta get these takes out. These takes have to get out, right? Uh, so let's go ahead and start with it. Start with that because um, as we're starting this podcast, the Cowboys are participating in their Wednesday practice. Taco Charlton is not there. Uh, we got a report from Ian Rappaport just a couple minutes ago uh, that the Cowboys plan to move on from Taco if they can't make a trade. Um, what do you envision happening here? Do you think they're just going to release them? What's the impact here for Dallas? I, I, yeah, I feel like either they're going to release them. There may be some uh, uh, some opportunity for some team to kind of come in with a conditional late late round pick because they don't want to necessarily fight the waiver wire for the for Taco if they wanted him that bad. I, but I, yeah, at this point, they've been trying to trade him for for months. You know, for almost half a year, probably, and uh, and you know there hasn't been a lot of takers. So I, I think at this point, it's either he gets a small conditional pick, you know, sent his way for him, or if not, then he's just getting outright released. Yeah, we're getting reports now that uh, from Michael Galka that the Cowboys are expected to announce that they are waving Taco today. John Jack Taylor uh, is saying the same. So uh, let's just kind of quickly touch on this pick as a whole what went wrong here for dallas why did this taco charlton pick not work out for them well i mean uh what's the how does the song go i, I hate to say i told you so but uh, you know i i mean it, i think we all kind of saw when this happened initially that this was i, I mean we sh- i shouldn't say all but i mean i think everyone that's in our kind of tight community of people that follow this team closely and follow the draft you know i, I think Everyone was on board with someone like T.J. Watt. They, I think they were more on board with someone who fit kind of the what we perceive to be the the, the right defensive end profile, um, you know. And they, I think there was a there was a disagreement at the top. I mean, I think it depends on who you ask on who it was. Some say it was Will McClay. Some say it was other other people in there, but I think there was a, a large push to uh, to try to get you know to, to get Taco in here as opposed to T.J. Watt because they just perceived that T.J. Watt was not a right defensive end. They viewed him more as a linebacker, um, and so we, you know I think that dissension was was probably not great, and uh, it ended up making kind of I don't know if it was a panic pick or what happened because I don't know that we felt like there was a ton of of uh, I mean he was a visitor and all that but I just you know I think at this point it was a surprising pick because they were looking at Watt as well we didn't know that they 
didn't view Watt as a defensive end at that point. We learned that after mm-hmm. the draft. Uh, and to us, so, you know, most people that I guess were correct, he just didn't look athletic enough to be warranting a, the pick that he did. Now, he was a late first-round pick, but I, I think still he he never really had the athleticism uh, to, to kind of be the, the kind of game-changing defensive end that you hope to get in the end of the first round. Yeah, so there's a couple different things going on there. Uh, obviously, Watt was somebody who, I mean, I, I feel comfortable sharing this now, Watt was higher on their draft board. Yeah. Um, but the, the scouts and everybody, they, they put Watt ahead of Taco, and all the way up until, I believe it was, it was that Saturday before the draft, that was the plan. Uh, the player that I think, actually not I think, the player I know that they liked better than both of those guys is Tack McKinley, yeah. who the Falcons traded up a couple picks ahead of Dallas and selected. That's the guy that they were going to take. And then when it came down to Watt versus Taco, they had some disagreement in that room about, you know, obviously you mentioned it, Watt being a full-time player. They decided to go Taco. Uh, it, it, it's just, for me, it just reaffirms my belief that if you're going to be a first-round pick, you, you need to be an above-average athlete, and you need to have above-average college production. Um, Taco was one of these guys that only averaged 1.2 tackles for loss per game. Typically, for you to become a starting-level edge rusher in the NFL, you need to average about 1.5. Uh, he was a late bloomer. He was 23 when he was drafted. Uh, there was a lot of warning signs there, but th- this is a, an example of some of the bad process that the Cowboys scouting department, not scouting department, front office can have when they draft. Now, to their credit, they get things right more often than not. This just happens to be a, a mistake by by Will McClay and Jason Garrett and Rod Marinelli. Hopefully, you're, you believe that long-term, this kind of stuff won't happen again. They're not going to overreach for guys on their draft board. Uh, they're not going to pick players further down than uh, maybe what the scouts suggest. So this is a process problem, you know. I mean, they they, they they did, or I, I'm saying like draft day process problem because yeah, they, they they made the correct assessment and then they ignored their assessment, um, and that's you know they've had they've had some success doing that before, uh, but they've also you know that's also how you bust and uh, right and. Another example of this, and I'm curious to see how this turns out. Tristan Hill is another example of them picking a player lower on their draft board because of a need. Now, I'm not saying Hill is a bust or anything, but if it does happen to turn out that way, it's another example of them doing this. I, uh, it's going to be the difference is in the athleticism to me. There, you know, the, it, right? It's easy. Not only the athleticism is where you're picking them too. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I'm more okay taking. A guy at the end of the second round with elite athleticism and and moderate production, uh, than a guy in the first round that has neither. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll answer some of your Twitter questions. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't always know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. 
I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past, and that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. It's that simple. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each week. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Um, this first one, Landon, comes from Otto. I just think this is a funny one. Uh, he says, are you and McCool BCB friends again, or are you guys still fighting about trading for Anthony Miller? Uh, no, we're not friends. Uh, okay. and I, we're doing this podcast. I, I, literally, we get on the phone. I Skype him every day, and, and, and the first hour is just me cur- dog cursing him. <laughs> <laughs> and then making fun of, of uh, his love of uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, uh, that, that part is true, actually. That, that part is a little bit true. Even it, though it I Martin's like Quentin Tarantino, I just, you know. No, of course we're friends. Look, we, like, we, we have different views. We have different default views on how we view the team, but it makes for good radio. It doesn't mean that we don't like each other. We like each other a lot. We talk every day at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Everyone's friendly. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's go to a different question from Klondike. Uh, what does the wide receiver look like, room look like if Devin Smith lives up to a second-round billing? Uh, that's interesting because I do think there is a less than or a, a greater than zero percent chance that Devin uh, wow. Smith kind of becomes a star in this offense. Congratulations right? on greater than zero percent. I mean, right. that, that, that's I, optimism I, I, right there. But, folks. but I'm saying, what if he becomes uh, Deshaun Jackson? What if he becomes uh, <laughs> that type of player? Well, Marcus, how are we going to know if we're trading for Anthony Miller? Huh? I mean, well, this is. <laughs> Uh, but the good thing no, is you I, can no, play listen, both this, Anthony Miller at the same time. It's a great point because because it's legitimate. That's the thing is that I mean I was I was thinking about this as an argument when I was driving in today. I was like, hey, what if we could uh, get this guy? He's healthy now. He has he's had some success. He can get deep. He's got this athleticism that's worth you know first round value. Blah 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 blah. And you know he's got some success in our system. It's actually pretty recent as uh, last week. <laughs> it's like last week was a long time ago. Yeah, I guess so. I, you know, look, I think he has some ability. He's a different player than Gallup. They're at different points mm-hmm. of their career. I, I think you could say, in some ways, he has more elite athleticism speed than Gallup does. I think Gallup is a very well refined player within his skill set. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and 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 has uh, you know. A talent to the position that that in the in the in the artistry part of the position, Gallup I think is more developed in this in this range. But Devin Smith has a, a you know healthy dose of speed, some athleticism, some quickness. I think you saw that on on the route where he took that little hook and then broke it back outside. And, and you know mm-hmm. I, I think he can yeah. definitely do a, a lot of different things and 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 function very well in this offense. And what happens is that if you find out that he is capable of doing that, (laughs) you find out that you may have the deepest wide receiver core in the NFL, I guess. I I, I mean, seriously, I think this is the upside to playing someone like Devin Smith who – you know, has all the has all the upside in the world. Had his whole career completely derailed for multiple years by multiple injuries. If he's, I mean, really, the only thing it looks like is stopping him is his health. If he's able to stay healthy, you keep giving him opportunity, 
and 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 he's going to grow and, and get better. I mean, this is not Devin Smith's ceiling necessarily. He's just now finally getting the snaps that he ha- should have gotten early on in his career to develop. He still has immense upside. Let me just tell you, the difference between what I've seen Devin Smith now and what I saw at the beginning of training camp, he looks like a completely different player. You know, and so yeah. I, I think that 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 you know more snaps can continue that trend of of a player getting experience, getting the snaps he need to feel comfortable inside of an offense. Those are all good points, and I want to kind of tie this next question into it because I think this is almost more important than what we think of Devin Smith as a player. Uh, with Michael Gallup being out for the next few weeks, what opportunities do you see Kellen Moore creating for Devin Smith? So how is the offense going to change now that they have Devin Smith on the field rather than Michael Gallup? Are we going to see maybe more play-action shots down the field? Are we going to see Smith running uh, you know, a lot of the drag routes and inside in-breaking routes? Because that's what Gallup has done so well. How do you envision Kellen Moore kind of switching up the offense now with Gallup out? I, see, I don't think that they need to. That's, that's, that's a kind of what I've been saying is that I, I think despite the fact that they do the job differently – what they do well is very similar. I mean, if you watch what Gallup is doing, Gallup's being sent down the field. Gallup's being sent, you know, uh, of, of, as a as a target in in the deep game on nines. Uh, and then as the d- defense starts to play off of him, he's countering those with stop routes and with you know with in breaking routes and, and and finding himself open. I think that's right where Devin Smith is going to shine too. I think you, you give him opportunities. I mean. The tape's already out there. Like he just had a 51-yard touchdown on you know the first snap. I think he was in there, and so mm-hmm. and and I, they've been. If you go back and watch the game, he's lined up in a couple different spots, just like Gallup was. It, it's not always just you know outside off the line of scrimmage at the Z. Um, so I, I think for me, you use him in a very similar ma- manner that you, manner that you used Gallup. I think he's just going to do the job differently than Gallup, but I but hopefully have similar maybe not as good success i think we're going to see a little bit different stuff from devin smith first of all i anticipate that the cowboys are going to rotate more uh at the z position than what we saw with gallup i mean i think gallup led all the cowboys receivers in snaps so i think that's going to be part of the percentage of snaps I, i agree right yeah See, this is this is where the noah brown entry hurts a little bit because i think if you had the combination of noah brown and Devin Smith as the the other outside receiver of Mar, you know with Amari Cooper, I think you could kind of piece together a pretty functional number two receiver. Uh, but now with Tavon still missing from practice, uh, you really don't have another guy to kind of pair with uh, Devin Smith. So I'm going to be interested to see how they use him uh, against Washington. I think with Cobb, I think you, you just use Cobb more on the outside. He can do. See, we differ here on this. I one know, because but I'm I, not he, Cobb's biggest fan. But but I think he can do a lot of what. You need him to do on the out. Look, I think Devin can function as the fly guy that can get down, that can do that, the stop routes that alternate off of that. I think Cobb can operate inside on in breaking routes in the Z. I, I, I think the thing is, is that you, you don't just view it like that. You view it as an opportunity to get Blake Jarwin snaps in in the slot. Yes, you, I'm you, glad that you t- mentioned get Blake Tony Jarwin, Pollard I do think, uh, snap, on the say, snaps in the slot. I, mean, I think th- those these are things you have to right. factor in. It's not just about. Those snaps go to this person because he plays this position now. It's, okay, we want to give Gallup snaps, but since he's not here, let's put Devin in his spot to function in the same role in the offense, but maybe let's run some plays towards uh, a guy like Pollard. Let's do some more snaps where we're going towards Jarwin. I I think that's how you properly get the offense back 
to where it was pre-Gallup without, you know, having to force feed it to the same player just because he's playing the same position. I do think it's interesting that you mentioned Blake Jarwin because I do think there's a chance that the team will use more of Blake Jarwin in the passing game to kind of fill in maybe some of those intermediate routes uh, that Gallup did so well. I, I, I think Jarwin... Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast has been pretty good for the first two weeks of the season i'm, I'm curious to see him in a bigger role except for split um, zone blocking but yes jeez, yeah he, <laughs> he just can't block um let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll answer a couple more questions all right this next question landon is from joshua uh, who has been the cowboys best defender through the first two weeks of the season uh, demarcus lawrence I mean, okay. I, I, I think he's created he's created disruption on a couple different times in each game. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Malik Collins had a really good game last yesterday. I mean, on Sunday, um, but mm-hmm. I think even he didn't show out the way that uh, uh, Lawrence did. I think for me, it's probably like Lawrence uh, Jones Woods maybe is where I'd go. Yeah, see, I like what Collins did in the first two games. He had a couple uh, tackles behind the line of scrimmage. He drew two holding calls against Washington. Uh, I expect him to have a monster game against Miami. The 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 Miami or the Dolphins' interior offensive line is putrid, and if Malik Collins doesn't have a, a monster game, I'm going to get a little worried that you know maybe they shouldn't pay him. But uh, I, I I think he's been fantastic so far. Yeah. Um, this next question comes from at fake Stephen Jones. Uh, where is the pass rush still kicking off the rust? Uh, I, I do think that's part of it. Obviously, they've had some injuries there. Uh, Lawrence is still coming back from his shoulder surgery. Um, Tyrone Crawford's been a little banged up. Uh, Robert Quinn has obviously been out. They've been putting a lot of new players in with Kerry Hyder, uh, so Christian Covington, Antoine Woods got hurt. Uh, I'm not super worried. I think. It's, I mean, it's not as good as we would like to see it so far, but I don't think it's something that's going to hold them back from winning games. Would you agree? No. I, I mean, I think it's still – I think really the whole defense is still kind of kicking its, itself into place. I mean, I, I think the linebackers as well to me have have been – gotten off to a slow start, I would say. I, I think for um, for Lawrence, who's just so talented, you know, it's – kind of came back pretty quickly i think for uh someone like 
Armstrong, who's been out there playing a ton of snaps, and I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's just been a lot for him. Um, I think for high, you know, I, I thought we would see more from Hyder than we have. We we didn't we haven't really seen a ton from him. Um, and I, I think once you get Quinn in there, somebody in there, and that's the problem is that. Um, you know, even Crawford, who I guess would be normally your starting defensive end, there he's banged up, so it's tough for him. I think they need uh, they need Quinn out there. You know, like a, a kind of stabilizing stabilizing force, uh, someone who is the uh, the a top guy who can take away a, a bunch of these snaps and then help these other guys kind of rotate in. I, I just think with Hyder with Armstrong, they got into a spot where it was a little bit of overexposure. They needed one more healthy body out there and I don't think that Crawford was fully able to confirm that you know I I agree I I do think once they get Quinn in there everything else is going to kind of fall into the right spot you're going to have Taco Charlton going back to being more of a part-time or excuse me not Taco Tyrone Crawford going back to be a part-time player Uh, you'll probably see a little bit less of Kerry Hyder and Joe Jackson and Dorrance Armstrong and I think that's a good thing I think keeping those guys on a limited rep count uh, makes sense uh, next question comes from Willie. Uh, please discuss who is the mouse clicker between the two. Uh, that's me. And what are you doing on the web that requires such angry and often clicking? clicking? Uh, I've got a gaming mouse here, and it's it's awfully loud, and it's right next to my my uh, microphone. And I apologize. I, I try not to click there in a podcast, <laughs> but there's sometimes I need to research stuff, and I want to make sure that we're accurate. And I try to cover the sound with my hand. Uh, but wow. yeah, that's that's me with your my angry <laughs> mouse clicking. I'm sure people out there imagine me on Sunday just just <laughs> pounding down on my my mouse, just trying You're to find easily clicking away. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, mouse it's, didn't uh, used to make sound. It's just he's no, he's <laughs> banged at it so many times now that it makes a loud noise. It's very true. Um, all right, this last question is from Jared, and I really like this one a lot. Uh, has Ezekiel Elliott turned into a different running back since his rookie year? He used to be a little bit faster. Seems like he's more of a power running back now. If so, what type of running back would you prefer Zeke to be in this offense? Uh, first of all, Landon, do you agree with the, the premise that Zeke is a different running back now than he was as a rookie? Um, maybe slightly, but I, I don't know. I think that really it's been... It's been opportunity a lot with with some of the big play stuff. I I, I know what you're saying, and, and you're not wrong. Like he hasn't had like the 70 yard touchdown in a while. He hasn't had like the. I mean, it's been over a season since the, since that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that I think that that that's also a lot based on opportunity. I, I think it's not coincidental that those the year that that was happening uh, that. That that was the best offensive line he's had. I would not be surprised you started seeing more of that again this year because of, especially because I think. Okay, well here, here's my question. Yeah, and I guess this is something I should research. Do running backs typically get longer runs out of six and seven man boxes, or do your bigger runs come out of eight and nine man boxes? Well, see, I think that's the the, the that's always been the counter argument to why they've run into eight, eight and nine man boxes is because I think the idea is that if you create more gaps that the defense has to cover, that's more defensive players that are inside the box, and if you're able to get a crease in the box and get through it fast enough. Yep. That means you're through and past more defenders sooner, and you have less defenders to outrun to the corner, out to outrun to the end zone, essentially, right? 
Right. Um, does it actually play out that like way? Uh, well, a perfect example of that is the the final run against Pittsburgh in 2016, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh had everybody in the box. Uh, they hit a little crease with Lyle Collins blocking Stephon to it, and it was a 35-yard touchdown run from Elliott with no linebackers in the gap. That does tend to happen a little bit more, I think, when you get into the, some of those situations. But does this Cowboys offense need him to be creating 40, 50-yard runs, or do they need him to be getting them into second and four I, I think, or third I think and one? The thing is, is that the team is that teams clearly before this season and after the 2016 season decided that they didn't weren't going to allow Zeke to beat them with the big play. So they've been focusing on trying to make sure that their gap sound and and then by proxy forcing Dak to try to beat him with his arm, which you know had mixed success up until this year. Where now, <laughs> I, I think right. I wonder if that formula doesn't flip soon, and then we start seeing Dak Zeke with more opportunity to break it wide open and, and really punish defenses. It's a good question because I do I, I do think Zeke has changed a little bit as a runner as well. I think I think he's become I mean I, I think entering the league he was already a smart running back, but I think he understands situation fo- situational football better. I think he understands his role. He can't he can't be a Saquon Barkley in this offense. He can't be somebody who's always looking to hit a home run. They need him to be somebody who continues to get them into smart down and distances, and he knows that. Uh, it's why you won't see him breaking runs at the outside very often because, A, there's a chance that you lose yardage on those type of runs, and, B, there's a lot of times those end up turning into holding calls, which kill drives and stuff. Uh, Elliott knows his role in this offense, and the Cowboys want him to continue to be a guy that punishes teams in the middle of the in the middle of the field. Uh, any final comments on Elliot before we, we move on? No, I just think that, you know, he he operate he's a different type of player. He's not the loose player that that Barkley is, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have elite feet and a way of operating in space like in lack of space. He operates with no space way better than Saquon Barkley does. You know, and Absolutely. that's I think that's harder to it's it's it doesn't make for great highlight reels, but for people that are studying the run game, like his ability to consistently get yards is incredibly impressive, despite whatever blocking is happening. I agree. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Lane and at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time. 